Good morning. Hello, I'm Andrew, and it's my privilege to be married to Nikki, and also to be lead pastor at Trinity Cheltenham, and uh, lots of other things as well. So, uh, happy Christmas to you, especially if you're visiting us. It's one of those sort of kind of interesting moments. Um, but here you go. Usually, do you do this at the end of a talk? But we don't always do things quite the, the normal way here at Trinity because we just. So, um, I'm about to put my hand up. And I'm going to ask you to, to, in a moment, close your eyes and put your hand up if you're really pleased that this Christmas and New Year is a game of two halves. Um, so, you know, I've actually had a pretty, uh, you know, I've not been great the last two or three days. I, I know, and, and the Lord really convicted me about, I'm, a lot of pastors I think are like this, there's one or two in the, in the room with us, that I'm, I'm horrible on the kind of first day of my holiday. I spend so long being really nice to all of you that on the first day of my holiday, now I, I can be terrible, and actually I've been a bit like that this Christmas, so I have just been worshipping God and uh, know that I need to put my hand up to declare the truth that I'm really pleased this is a game of two halves, that this Sunday in this Christmas New Year comes right now. So um, just why don't you close your eyes, just honour each other, and I'm about to put my hand up, and, I, and I'm not going to even look at you because I, I have no rights in any sense because I need to put my hand up. If any of you know the truth that, that just maybe even this week, I just have a sense there might be a few more of us, and, and guys, I'm going to say, you know, try not to be two sort of gender and sexist and all those things, but I just wonder if there's a few men in the house, like this particular man who, who's got the temerity to stand up on this platform and quite rightly would be struck down by a bolt of lightning if he didn't just confess to you, God. As I just raised my hand that the first part of this week has not been great. I, I confess to you the sins that I have committed. I drove really stupidly late at night. I got really cross with my family for no good reason. And I just raise my hand before you, and maybe I look back even further over this year, and I just recognise the times where, Lord God, um, I've gone through the motions, I've, I've sung truth, but I've not walked and lived truth in my life. And I want to thank you for the time of worship that you've given to us this morning. I want to thank you that we have sung about the cross and that if we come before you and humbly declare to you the things that are wrong in our lives, and we have to do that, and that's not easy. If we truly come to you and say, Jesus, you are Lord, and I confess to you my sins, then by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you enter into our hearts and you bring forgiveness. And I know, Jesus, that I want to follow you properly the second half of this week. Thank you for the gift of two and a half days from now until New Year's Day and then the rest of, the rest of my life. So I, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this Sunday. And Lord, I don't, I don't want to go through the motions this coming year. So I've got my hand up only to you, God. Only to you. You're the only one looking. And I thank you for the promises of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
So there you go. That was going to be the end of the talk, but it felt right to do it because quite rightly, you know, a thunderbolt could come. Don't, don't worry, church, by the way, I'm not going to confess anything uh, massive. I am conscious of, uh, you know, just things. But um, it's so good to have you here, isn't it? And, and we just as a church family, if you're visiting us, all we're bothered about is, is following Jesus. That's what we're bothered about. We're not bothered about religious stuff. Um, actually, what I'm going to be talking about is how being a religious person can so often mean that you miss the things that are right in front of your eyes. And that's completely true for any of us who are part of, in a sense, the religious of our, of our day. Um, we, we want to follow Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're, you wouldn't describe yourself as a follower of Jesus. Um, And I want to ask the question right now, would you like to start following Jesus? Would you like to start following Jesus? That's a massive question. There could be no greater gift that you could take hold of this Christmas time. And I know I'm meant to sort of do a great talk beforehand, which really builds you up to the point that you want to say yes to that question. But you see, I don't need to do that because it's God's power. It's God's power. That's the only thing that matters is that this baby grew up. This baby grew up and became a man. And he really lived and he breathed and he walked. And he, he showed, you know, people say, you've never seen God, you can't see God. Not true. We've seen God in all his fullness in human flesh. There may be more even to him than we know. Maybe we, he knew that we could only cope with, with this much, but he's revealed himself. And he lived and then he died on a cross. And we don't exactly know how it works. And Alpha, come on Alpha and ask all your questions. Or go on an Alpha and ask all your questions about it. And anyone who tells you they can explain exactly how it works, well, they're not telling you the truth. We don't know exactly how it works, but we know it works. I I don't know exactly how I love Nikki and how Nikki loves me. I, I couldn't show you a bottle of it, but I know it works. I know it's true. And no one had to, no one had to teach me that. Actually, I I know that. And we can know that when God came in Jesus and walked the earth and died on a cross and rose again, and there's no other way of explaining that. Come and ask your questions. There's no other way of explaining it. That that sets us free for a relationship with God to be a follower of Jesus. And so I just want to ask straight away, right up front, would you like to, this Christmas time, receive the gift of becoming a follower of Jesus? I'm going to give you an opportunity a bit later. I'm going to give you a moment to think about that. I'm going to give an opportunity to say yes. And it's a massive thing, of course. It's a big deal. But presents have to be unwrapped. Presents have to be opened. And one of the ways you do those is you come forward, potentially, or you come and talk to me afterwards. Secondly, I I want to say, is this kind of like almost a game of two halves for you in your life? By the way, I will get to the talk, I think, in a minute. Um, is this a game of two halves for you? You know, it's not just this week, this Sunday, which is absolutely a game of two halves for me. I'm, I'm so desperate that the next two and a half days are going to be much better than the last two and a half days. I'm sure Nikki and my family are really pleased to hear that. Um, but it, it's almost is that like life for you? You know, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus. Maybe you would describe yourself as a follower of Jesus. Well, friends, I'm not going to waste your time. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm just going to take this opportunity. This is a moment, isn't it? it? The way that this particular Christmas, New Year period works with the Sunday in the middle. I just really have a, have a feeling that God wants to use this particular time. Again, if, forgive me, it'll apply to women as well. But I just wonder if there's a few men. The fact that you don't have to go to work tomorrow is a real gift for you. 
The fact that maybe a few of you got a bit more sleep, apologise to those with babies who didn't, but maybe a few of us have had a bit more sleep. So you can, you can think more clearly, you can see more clearly, you can wonder more clearly. I've said I'm a follower of Jesus, but you know what the truth is, I'm not really following. You know, I, in, in, all, in all practical ways, I'm, I'm an atheist, actually, because in terms of the choices I make in my life, they're not God's focused choices. So, you know, you're here today and you'd love to say, you know what, the greatest gift I could receive and the greatest gift for 2019 would be to really to follow Jesus. Really to follow Jesus. And thirdly, I wonder if there's a few people who want some more boldness in their following. You, you know, you kind of know what the next step is, but... You want the Holy Spirit. That's God with us now. If you're not familiar with that kind of language, what you've been feeling as we've been singing and, and, and who you've been feeling and experiencing as we've been singing I Hope and Praise is God with us now. The Holy Spirit, God with us. God on the inside. He, he works from the inside out. Those are, those are big things to ask, but it's, hey, it's a gift, isn't it? This Sunday's a gift. We could, we could come and I'm, I've had a shed a few tears already thinking about my uncle Ron Herneman, my godfather. Um, maybe you'd like to come and shed a few tears. Maybe that's not a manly thing. Maybe you'd like to whatever, a womanly thing. Well, there you are. There's the, there's the invitation. That's the end of the talk. Switch off now and think about that if you, if you want. Uh, Christmas excess. Here was the picture I was going to show. That's me on Christmas afternoon after I got home from leading the celebrations here in a truly godly way. It's not actually, but you know what I mean. So at this point in the Christmas story, in the Christmas week, we're, as Nikki said at the beginning, we're thinking about um, the second group of visitors who came to, came to see Jesus. And here's the reading. Let's, let's read this. Um, put my glasses on. So Matthew chapter 2 in the first few verses. It'll, it'll be familiar to a lot of us, but I wonder, I wonder what God wants to say, especially to you about this today. I might have already said it. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet, talking about the prophet Micah, so thousands of years before Jesus is born, one of the prophecies about Jesus is being fulfilled uh, and there's an enormous number of them fulfilled in Jesus. It's quite a neat trick, by the way, again, if you're here wondering about how any of this can be true, it's quite a neat trick to arrange where to be born, to fit in with a previous prophecy. Just thought that ever. Um, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, 
of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So we don't know very much about them, just little things just to say. You know, there were three gifts, no, no de- definition therefore that there only had to be three, could have been more. Uh, certainly no, no requirement that they were men necessarily, uh, and they could have been part of a bigger group than just three. Something about them probably is that they're astrologers of some kind because they're looking at the stars. Now, astrologers in those days were not the sort of wacky, sad stuff that you read in the papers nowadays, completely untrue, of course. Um, but they were kind of scientists of their day. They were, they were people who were trying to investigate and trying to work out stuff. They come from the east. So do they come from Persia or do they, do they come from Babylon? Have they been caught up in, in the, the Jewish disbursement that's happened? So as we read our first part of our Bibles, our Old Testament, the, the God's people are dispersed into different areas, into different kingdoms. We know that Daniel, the prophet Daniel, again, if we read the first part of our Bibles, was in Babylon for a long time. So is there this tradition that's already there that, that is causing more than just them to wonder and to hope? for God to act, for for a saviour to come from Judea. Certainly they know the scriptures, they know the the Old Testament writings, because they know the prophet Micah, prophet Micah, sorry, uh, Micah chapter 5, where the prophecy comes from, where where telling them that the saviour would be born in Bethlehem, They, they know that. We don't actually know exactly when they, when they came. There's quite, quite a lot of speculation about that. It's possible that they came um, later, as, as Nikki said, later when Jesus was born, uh, you know, was, had grown up a little bit. But two things against that. The word that's used in the Greek for, for them is the word used for an infant, uh, for a baby, sorry, not an infant. And also, how do we explain that, that Herod has not already found out about Jesus? If Jesus had been alive for a little while, then he would have already visited the temple, as we read a bit later on. And so they, they would have been stirred up. Jerusalem would have been stirred up. But that's not really what's important, is it? Because like every bit of the Jesus birth story, the, the specifics have got their, their purpose and their importance Isn't our God amazing that he is intimately concerned with the detail of our lives, as as Nikki was saying. He knows us. He knows each hair on our head. He's intimately bothered in the personal as well as the cosmic. Only, Only God could do that, of course. For God, it's not an issue. It's not a problem to be intimately concerned in the detail of our lives and the cosmic significance. And so what the wise people, men, women travellers do is they open up for us the significance, the cosmic perspective on Jesus' birth, don't they? They reveal its full implications. I'm sure many of you have heard talks or thought of this for yourself. The very fact that the, the first people to come to the baby Jesus are the excluded, the outcasts, the religiously unclean, the shepherds. They're the first ones to come and, and be called by God as witnesses to the baby Jesus. And then the second are those who've travelled from a long way, who've, who've crossed all of the boundaries. So, so the, 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 these wise people who travel are telling us that this event of Jesus being born is for all. 
not, not bounded by the religious sort of boundaries of the day, not bounded by the cultural boundaries, by the, even, the, even the, uh, the, the linguistic boundaries, the even physical boundaries. Jesus is for all. And the gifts they bring, those gifts that they do bring, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Um, it's, it's interesting, in the culture of the day, the tradition was to bring gifts, but the gifts were given to the family, not given to the baby. Have you ever noticed that? That, that straight away, God has revealed to these travelers that Jesus is the king. He's not a prince waiting to become a king. He is the king. And the gifts, therefore, symbolize his, his nature, as Nikki said earlier for us. So you've got gold, the most valuable of, of substances, signifying kingship. And, and those of us who are followers of Jesus, we call Jesus our king. And maybe if you're here and you're wondering about this business of following, that's the first thing for you to, to grab hold of, that Following Jesus means that he is in his right place. God is in his right place in your life. Not, not a prince waiting to become a king, but the king of your life. That second gift, the, the, the frankincense, well, its symbolism is, is re in relation to the temple that was used at the time as the, as the sign of the presence of God and, and where you went to deal with your sin, to deal with the, the messing up that you, that you do in life and to, to meet with God. And it's, it's a symbol of, of purification. It's a, a symbol of holiness. And it speaks about, about Jesus as our priest. That, that word really means the one who mediates, who's between. So Jesus comes to be the connection, the mediation, the reconciler, the Bible says. The one who makes things right with God. And that's what Jesus does. If we'll let him, if we'll follow him. And myrrh, that third gift used in embalming, used at the, the time of death. Symbolism of sacrifice. Jesus our saviour. Jesus the one, as I've already said, who on the cross saves us, gives us eternal life. So king, priest, and saviour, that's the symbolism, that's the significance of those three gifts. But you see, I wonder if the wise men were wise at all. Actually, we might think that's a good title for them. But later in Matthew's gospel, Matthew eleven twenty-five, Matthew says that God doesn't reveal things to people who think they've got worldly wisdom. So we don't call them kings for all kind of right reasons, because they probably weren't. But I'm not actually sure it's even good to call them wise men. Because the danger of that is it can make us think that their wisdom was the kind of wisdom, as I say, that you can get from the world. Do you know what? The, the key thing is that they were curious and they were humble. 
So what about we sing about the three curious men or women? What about if we were to sing about the three humble people? That, that's their key qualities. Curiosity. They were looking for the signs. They were looking for God to act. And they were humble. Their first action when they arrive at, at, the, at, in, at Jesus, and, and note the word used in the translation is house. No stable. There might have been a, a, an underground room, a cave-like room where the animals were kept, where, where the birth took place. But when they arrive at Jesus, whatever age Jesus is, the first thing they do is bow down and worship. And, and again, the word that's used for worship, the particular Greek word, is worship that was reserved only for God. It's not a human kind of worship. It's a worship on God. See, they're in such contrast, aren't they, with Herod and all the other people. Do you, do you notice the stupidity, the foolishness of Herod saying, would you search for them carefully? So here are these three curious, humble people who have travelled miles and miles and miles following a star, having attentively looked for the signs of God fulfilling God's promises and Herod revealing his foolishness says, would you now look carefully? He can't see what's right in front of his face. He, can't, he had the words of the prophet Micah in, in his hands, quite literally. It was there. When he says to the wise, curious, humble people, where is it going to take place? They don't say, give us a few weeks to work it out. They say, we already know. It's been told to us. Herod is, is blinded by a sense maybe of his own wisdom. He's not, he's not curious about the things of God and he's definitely not humble enough to travel even just a very short distance to find this Messiah, this saviour, this king, this priest. Is God our focus it's, it's very easy for us to judge others, judge Herod even. What, what has God put into our hands already? What truth of God have, have we already got in our hands? And maybe there's a lack of curiosity in us. Or maybe there's a lack of humility in us. That, that gift of gold, that gift about kingship, that, that action of worship, gold as a kind of baseline for all other values, is God, Jesus, the baseline for everything else in our lives is a question we have to ask. Either for the first time, really, because you're not yet a follower of Jesus, but you know what, you can feel it stirring in you. You'd like to follow Jesus. 
And, and so actually you see this question more clearly perhaps than anyone else. You know there are other things that have been a, a baseline for your sense of value, what other people talk, say about you. Money, job, position, relationships, whatever it might be. For those of us who are part of the religious, it's actually a harder question because we can be a little bit deluded by half-following. Is God, is Jesus the baseline for all other things that we might value in our lives? That's such a key question to ask, isn't it? Such an important question. And that, that second gift, that gift of, of frankincense, that, that gift that speaks about, about holiness and, and setting apart, that, that contrast with Herod and, and Jesus. Perhaps you already are aware that one of the things Matthew very clearly does in this episode is pick up a theme that he's going to explore the whole way through his gospel. There are two big reactions to Jesus, aren't there? There's humility or hostility. Humility or hostility. It's exactly the same now. So if we're, if we're trying to walk the way of Jesus, if we're trying to walk a, a holy way, a pure way, if, we, if we're trying to have a, a set-apartness, not to be a cult, but to walk the right way up in an upside-down world, as I love saying. Where are we with that? As maybe we're in this half-time break, chewing on our oranges. Where am I really with that? There'd be a danger, wouldn't there, in thinking that because I, I, I said a prayer at the beginning of speaking and I sought to be a bit vulnerable with you, I, I could go away thinking, well, that's it. What a great thing. But holiness, purity, is a way of life, a way of living. It's putting your hand up all the time. It's not trusting in human wisdom. And that third gift, myrrh, that gift speaking about sacrifice and the saviour. Well, I've already said that the two reactions that are being teed up for us to see explored throughout the whole of the next gospel, through, through the whole of Matthew's gospel, is humility or hostility. And for us to walk the way of Jesus is to walk the way of cross, the cross. And in walking humbly, we will find hostility. Are we willing to walk that way? That way of sacrifice? So I think very simply, very simply, that God is asking us this question about followership today. I think there's warning in this really familiar story, this kind of really mm, nice story. There's warning 
for those of us who would say we are followers of Jesus? Is he the baseline for everything else that I value? Am I seeking holiness? Am I willing to sacrifice and follow the way of the cross? Herod missed what was right right next to him. None of us should think that we can't be in danger of doing the same thing if we're not seeking God. What's God already said? It's right there. I think secondly, if you, if you want to know the answer to the question, could I be included? Could, could this be for me? Then the answer is yes. Clearly, yes. That's why these people were called in and gathered in and travelled in from afar. Crossed all boundaries, all barriers. And of course, it had to start, didn't it, that journey with just one step. We read about the end, but at some point, three people needed to say, despite the hostility that it would have attracted, despite the scorn that it might have attracted from others, they had to say, you know what? We believe God is doing something. And we're going to take the first step. I'm going to ask the band to come and lead us just in a little bit more worship before we pray together about the things that I was sharing at the beginning rather than the end of what I said. If you're able to, would you like to stand?